0: Ian Dury with Spasticus Autisticus, E. Zimbra from Talking Heads, The Extras Haven't Been Funked Enough, and Starting Off the Set with Candido, dancing and Pranson. want to remind you, Club 89 is sponsored in part by Dubspot Records, located at 437 East 12th Street between 1st Avenue and Avenue A in the East Village of Manhattan. Dubspot offers a wide selection of quality, deep underground house, drum and bass, Soul, jazz, hip-hop, classics, and abstract. They also stock audio electronics, video cassettes, DJ merchandise, club wear, as well as mixtapes by DJs such as myself. I have a new tape over there. For dub spot information, directions, and mail order, call 212-677-1505. That's 212 212- 677 1505. And as you know, we have Nikki Siano up here tonight. How are you, Nikki?
1: Okay, how are you?
0: Good. Are you getting excited for your gig on Friday night? Oh, I'm
1: very excited. A lot of great things. I've been in a car all day driving from Godforsaken Virginia.
0: <laughs> Ooh.
1: That's where I live.
0: Oh boy, why do you live down there? <sighs>
1: God only knows. I'll tell you, there's only so much to do down there. A friend of mine, there's a place called the Edgar Casey Institute, mm-hmm. which is like this very spiritual institute. And since I like the spiritual part of my life, I, I like to go there sometimes. But she said to me on the way here, I said, I'm really bored with Virginia. She said, yeah, how many times can you go to the Edgar Casey Institute? <laughs> I've been there one too many times. And after that seven-hour car drive, I'm just...
0: Uh-uh. Uh, I don't know. You play here this summer for the uh, Larry Levan tribute. Oh, it
1: was so wonderful. Yeah. It was so... How do you feel
0: about that party?
1: Oh, it was gr- It was just so great. The mm-hmm. energy in the room just reminded me of the energy that was back in the 70s on the dance floor, where mm-hmm. people just screamed and carried on so much that you know you could barely hear the music and the floor was moving up and down. It was just so cool.
0: Now are you hoping to recreate that this Friday?
1: Not hoping, honey. We're gonna do it. <laughs>
0: it's
1: a definite. It's a given.
0: <laughs> great, great what are you gonna what, are you gonna play mostly classics on friday are you gonna mix it up are you play new i i I
1: gotta mix it up yeah. I, I you know there's too much new music out there that I like and great. and I want to play some new music and I also want to reach back to classics that people don't hear often. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think we hear the same 10 classics whenever we go out. And, you know, a lot of them are like from 75 to 85. And I started playing in 70. Nice
2: 70. Yeah,
1: so... um, I go way back. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a time when you heard R&B and rock and, you know, danceable pop on the dance floor. And I think anything that's good, we should play. Stop getting into these little categories of, you know, this one plays this kind of music, that one plays that kind of music. Hey, it's good music. I like it. I'll play it. You know what I'm saying? I don't care if it's techno or if it's garage music. If I like it, I'll play it. And Mm -hmm. I think the diversity of, of, of the whole experience is part of the excitement of the experience. You hear the same thing, you know, this, this nights I go to clubs and it sounds like one record.
2: Mm-hmm. Who the hell
1: wants to go out, excuse me, who who <laughs> wants to go out and hear the same record for eight hours? Right, you know, it's, exactly. It, to me, it's a bore. Mm-hmm. So, um, the excitement to me is that, okay, that record ended and the new record is starting. Wow. Mm-hmm. How interesting.
0: Now, back in 1970, the, the whole position of DJ wasn't like what it is today.
1: No, it was more like God. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like, oh, God's in the booth. <laughs> well, only, how did you And get there were into only DJing. like two or three gods in New York. <laughs> oh, you really want to know the truth? I do want to know. Okay. <laughs> I was in high school, and um, I had... Um, met this woman in, 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 in high school and we became really good friends and got involved in a relationship and my parents were thrilled because I had told them I was gay a month before so the fact that I was involved with a woman was like <laughs> thrilling for them. It was like they didn't care she slept over we screwed in, in the bedroom they heard her screaming and it was all okay they didn't care it was, he's with a woman leave him alone it doesn't matter thank God it's a woman in there so anyway we started Going to the law. Oh, okay. And it was like...
0: David Mancuso. Oh, yeah,
1: and David at that time was like, had this sound system. No one had a sound system like this. You know, the tweeter arrays and bass horns. I mean, he was the first to have all that kind of stuff and working it to the max. And I just was like in that club one night and I said, I gotta have these records. I gotta have... And I would drag my girlfriend around trying to get like weird records, you know, mostly colony music on... on Broadway was the place to get the singles, 45s. Remember, they're the records with the big holes. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we used to go out and get those 45s and, oh, man, we spun 45s and was we so into it. Uh-huh. You know, the record was like three minutes and 23 seconds long, <laughs> right. you know. You had a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah, a lot of work. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so these singles and, you know, I would collect them up. And then we used to go to this other club called the Roundtable, and I wanted to play records so bad.
0: Where was the Round Table?
1: It was on... Um, 50th, right off 3rd Avenue.
0: Wow.
1: And it was a huge, huge club. And, um, well, you wanted to know the truth, right? I do want to know. Okay.
0: As long as there's no curse words
1: involved. Well, my girlfriend <laughs> knew how much I wanted to play records, so mm-hmm. um, she convinced the owner of the round table. She provided oral favors for the <laughs> owner of the round table, and he quickly hired me.
0: <laughs> oh, Hey, okay. that's
1: how I got my first job. <laughs> what can I say? I'm telling you the truth. I'm bearing my soul. That
0: is the truth. Oh my
1: god. <laughs> now I'm in trouble.
0: So now after that, that's how you got your start then. And were you DJing yeah, I got regularly? my start on someone else's knees. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Rose to the top. <laughs> <coughs> Quickly rose to the top. All right. And then right after that, um, I, I turned 17 while I was playing there at, at the round table. And um, I really wanted to own my own club I really wanted to do what Mancuso did which was have an atmosphere control and environment and I went to my brother and I said let's do this let's open a club and he had just got a settlement from an insurance policy for an accident and he invested the money and we opened the gallery and then...
0: And where was the first location of the it gallery? It was on
1: 136 West 22nd Street mm-hmm. and it was there about 18 months and then all the clubs in the city all the clubs that were in lofts, including the loft, mm-hmm. were closed down by the fire department. They did this like sweep.
0: Is that in 74?
1: About, yeah, 70, yeah. 73.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, the beginning of 74. Mm-hmm. And then we moved down to Mercer and Houston. Mm -hmm. There's a big art gallery there now. But we were, the loft was at 99 Prince Street, which was around the corner. That was Mercer and Prince, and we were on Mercer and Houston.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And we were there for five years.
0: And how was uh, your spot different than the loft then? Well,
1: I feel like I took the experience kind of one step further. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, David, stopped manipulating the sound and you know and the crossover and stuff like that. And that I really got into that. I got into mm-hmm. accentuating the parts in the music that I felt most excited by, mm-hmm. by using the crossover, by using the, you know, the bass horns and the tweeter rays. David stopped doing that. So it was mostly he was just playing record after record. But I was incorporating more of the commercial feel where I was actually mixing the records together, working the sound, and also controlling the atmosphere, which is what he did. So Mm -hmm. we we took it to more of a commercial level, where he kept it more like his house and and a house party.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, And then... I met Steve Rebel before he opened Studio 54 and worked at his first club and he used to come to the gallery and look up at the lighting and the gallery had very unique lighting. It was on three tiers and if you looked up into the lighting, it moved up into the ceiling because the ceilings were like uh, 30 foot high. So there was this structure that hung from the ceiling down 15 foot and the lighting moved up into the structure and into the ceiling. Um. So when Rebel opened Studio 54, his lighting actually dropped from the ceiling and I I I believe, I mean, I would see him there, you know, just looking up at the lighting all night, and and I believe he got the idea from there. And that's what, we all took ideas from each other and Mm -hmm. took them one step further. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that I took David's idea one step further, and, you know, Larry took my idea one step further, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and on and on, and that's, you know, that's part of the creative process, I think.
0: And you keep talking about how, like, creating an atmosphere. What do you mean by that, and how did you do it? Okay,
1: well... For instance, mm. okay, David was famous for using the white flash. Now,
0: right.
1: when, when the lights are on on the dance floor, right, and then all of a sudden there's a white flash, mm. what happens? Your pupils dilate. And then he would throw people into darkness. Okay, and then so if you have a white flash and then you're thrown into darkness, since your pupils dilate, you're blinded for a moment. And in that moment, he'd also turn the tweeter rays on and the bass horns and then turn the fan on. So it was a physical kind of experience and it was an audio experience as well. And you just went crazy. I mean, you just, you know, blew your mind because all this was happening. you sight, sound, and also physical. You got all that experience in one. And, um, you know, that's, that's what I love to do. I mean, if I owned a club today, I'd have to control every. Thing in the club, I'm mean, into total <laughs> control.
0: Watch out, New York! <laughs> He's back. <laughs> so, how? What did you do exactly at, at the gallery? Then, how did you we create did, atmosphere? We
1: did a very similar kind of thing. Mm. Uh, David sort of went off on his own thing. He became more mellow, and I became more outrageous. And <laughs> you know, and people would people would say they were almost when they left gallery, they felt like they had just gone to church Mm because it was like that kind of experience. It was a very spiritual experience where you lost yourself in the music and the sound. Mm -hmm. And you lost yourself because we created an environment that was comfortable enough for you to lose yourself, where you could feel comfortable enough to scream on the dance floor and just lose your mind totally. And no one would say anything to you because they'd be doing it too. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just people were in an environment that was safe enough to just let the music take them where it went without any kind of walls or uh, inhibition. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, today I think people, you know, a lot of people are into the look or into, you know, who's pumping iron and, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. The, back then it was like, let's dance. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened at Body Soul I mean, right. when I played the last time, it was mm-hmm. just like, let's dance. It wasn't about picking anyone up. It mm-hmm. wasn't about anything else but the music. And it was, in, it was incredible.
0: Also, Andre Collins, he's a, he's a really good DJ here in New York. He used to go to the gallery and listen to you. And I was asking him, I said, what was it about the experience? there that has stayed with you for so long and he said was two things one was um, being a gay young man in the outer boroughs he felt that he could come to the gallery and really express himself in a safe environment it was kind of a haven and do you want to talk about that at all for me
1: well you know I, I was talking to my friend tonight Lonnie who I brought with me and mm-hmm. it wasn't like the crowd at Body and Soul that night even though it was there were gay people there there were also a lot of heterosexual mm-hmm. straight people too mm-hmm. um and a gallery too it was very mixed kind of black white s- hispanic mm-hmm. and and now there's a big asian contingency and mm-hmm. which is great because mm-hmm. i think music transcends discriminatory barriers and that's what it's all about. I mean, I I think that the big problem in this planet is discrimination and and I think that part of what the government does is it enhances the discrimination because if you have all these splintered little groups, they won't rise up against you, you know, because the real problem is the government and, you know, if we all got past our discrimination and joined together, we would see the real problem and be able to do something about it because in unity there's strength. Mm -hmm. But no, they keep saying you're gay You're black. You're Mm -hmm. white. You're Mm -hmm. you're Jewish. You're you know, and that's it's all bullshit. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Mm.
2: It's
1: (laughs) it's all a ploy Mm. by forces to keep us from joining together. And music does that. Music joins the souls together of people. Mm -hmm. And it just transcends that barrier. And that's what happened at Body and Soul, and that's what happened at Gallery. Mm -hmm. It was just not about what color you are. Mm -hmm. It was about the music. And it was about dancing. It was incredible.
0: Mm -hmm. That's actually, I was talking about that tonight, what I feel about dance music is that one of the reasons I think it's so threatening to the establishment with the capital E in quotations and bold um, is that it is one of the only kinds of music that truly does unite all kinds of people and it is really no label on it I mean as far as race goes age goes or you know sexual preference that's right. I mean it's incredible like if you go to Body and Soul or any of these clubs The Loft or I'm sure the gallery as you said um, you look around there's all different kinds of people there like right. this, there's kids to people the age of 60 that's right and you really don't see you won't see that in a rock concert like right. that you, you really won't nothing right. against rock music but you know I just, that's one thing I've definitely noticed so
1: well the beat and also the beat yeah, you know, for years, indigenous peoples like, uh, you know, uh, American Indians, uh, Aborigines in Australia, you know, African uh, people used beat and music in their um, uh, spiritual um whatever, expression. you know, expression, mm-hmm. and um, it got them in touch with a part of themselves where they actually lost themselves. So people get on the dance floor and they, they lose like their inhibitions and they become like what they really are, like this spirit, this driving force. And that's scary to people. Mm-hmm. That's scary to get in touch with that part of you to lose your ego and your walls and then get in, pu- in touch with what's under that, that force. It's an unbelievable force. I mean, if you've been on a dance floor where 700 to 1,000 people are united in a musical sound and they're all jumping to that one sound that force is oh god we can cure everything on the planet with that <laughs> it's my, the, the name of my tour is music to heal the planet and I think That's I great. think music is about healing it's, it's a very healing force
0: mm-hmm. absolutely also the other thing I wanted to that Andre also mentioned one of the reasons why you inspired him to become a DJ actually is that you told stories through the music
1: that's what I'm going to do right now
0: <laughs> you want to do that right now
1: sure why not why don't
0: we do that now and then we'll talk about we'll that we'll talk a little, a little
1: bit more sounds um, good it's the right uh, let's start with the right um, you got it I'm going to go way back I'm going to play some real old music you probably know most of this you probably won't know some of it um, but we're going to start off with um, you know talking to you through the music so here's the first thing that I've picked
0: Excellent. This is Nikki Siano on Club 89, wnyu New York.
2: I'm in the back Today for you, tomorrow for me. Today for you, tomorrow for me. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow for me, for me. Eam for me, for me, for me, for me, for, for, for me.
0: Nicky Siano, one of his own productions, Tiger Stripes, featuring Evelyn Thomas on that one. An unreleased version ahead of that, Loose Joints. Is it all over my face? Run away from Lolita Holloway. Shirley in Company with Shame, Shame, Shame. I wanna thank you, Alicia Myers, OJs of Love Train, and the Spinners with Mighty Love. And of course, I have Nicky Siano here. So this is an unreleased version.
1: Unreleased version of Tiger Stripes, yes.
0: Why was it unreleased is the first question that comes to mind. Well, it's a long
1: story. At the time, Evelyn, um, you know, she recorded the record, and then she kind of had her own recording deal with another label, and we got caught up in contractual issues, I guess, and uh, the record never came out, but it is hot.
0: So you had a different version that came out. Right. And that um, did quite well for you, really, right? Mm Yeah. Yeah.
1: But (laughs) this was the version. (laughs) This is the version that really needed to come out. Yeah. This was the version. I mean, um, I'll be playing this Friday night. (laughs) Do you think
0: there would be any way it would ever come out now?
1: I would love to release it. I'm Mm. open to that.
0: Wow! So how did you do get some in?
1: overdubs? I mean, it's it's just the rough tracks, and listen to those rough tracks. I mean, <laughs> unbelievable.
0: It sounds great. Right it sounds now. really good. How did you get into the whole production thing?
1: Um, well, Arthur Russell, who you know wrote "Go Bang" and "All Over My Face," used to come to my club, the Gallery, and um, he he was one of my fans. And he came to me one day and he said, "Do you want to make a record?" And I said, you know, that sounds like a good idea. And actually no DJs were doing at the time. It was like 1977. And um, we decided to go into the studio and make a record. And we made a record called Kiss Me Again by Dinosaur. Dinosaur. And um, it was signed by Sire. Michael Rosenblatt, who signed Madonna, signed us. And out of the box, I think it sold 200,000, which was incredible. You're kidding me. Yeah, and it did... Well, back then, you know, records did very well when they would dance and someone was playing them, and I was playing it really heavily, and Larry was playing it, and, you know, a lot of my friends were playing it. And um, it did very well. And then, again, it got got lost at RFC because Ray Caviano came into the company, and he really was not into the record, um, he wanted a remix, and then we remixed it, and it wasn't good enough for him, and it just got totally lost, so, but we, we were optioned for our second record, and I just, at the time, was actually too strung out to do another record,
0: mm. so he and, kept that's, and that's the, the sad job.
1: part of everything, is, you know, drugs really ruined my career, mm-hmm. and part of why I think this is all working for me now is because I'm totally sober, you know, which is how I was at the beginning, I mean, that's, you can't block creative energy with drugs i mean if you become focused on another thing besides your creative energy your creative energy doesn't come across right mm-hmm. it comes across all bogus you know this is something you're bringing in from beyond you it's not it's not me it's coming in through me i feel sometimes you know right. a psychiatrist once said to me what exactly had i said oh it was on the dance floor and it was magical she said well what what is it what do you mean by that magical way and i said I don't really understand but today I do understand it's something beyond me it's like a creative force that's coming through me Mm
0: -hmm. and I'm just
1: allowing it to come through and if you take drugs or anything what you do is you 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 know you blow a haze over it or you become hazy with that energy and you don't really you're not able to channel it I I think you know channeling is one of the big things where people go into trances and they talk to these otherworldly well I do that through music Mm -hmm. you know I bring in energy that I just feel the music and I just go with it Mm -hmm. so um uh, I got lost in the drugs, and part of that, you know, part of why I got fired from Fifty Four in the first year was all due to my drug addiction. Which is kind of, you know, it hurts when I look back on it. But you know what? I'm here today, and I learned a lot. I don't think I would have become the person that I am today if I didn't have the experiences that I had. I was
0: just gonna say that there's a lesson to be learned. Right? You know, exactly. That was your that was your lesson. Right. You know, and it's
1: like time to grow up.
0: And you know, luckily you live through it. Right, a lot of people. You have a lot to appreciate for that. I
1: know most of my friends are. Long gone. I mean, mm. either AIDS or substance abuse problems mm. killed off a lot of my friends.
0: Didn't you do some kind of work for like AIDS awareness?
1: Right. I, I did. Actually, I was an HIV counselor for 12 right. to 13 years and wrote a book about HIV, which came out in 93 called No Time to Wait. And um, I, you know, I, I just stopped doing that in September, um, December of last year. Um, just got kind of burnt out on it. And I can
0: imagine it would yeah. take a lot out of you. Yeah.
1: I mean, just seeing a lot of people pass and, you know, and and HIV is still around. It's it's really around. um, But um, I think that part of what I would like to do is um, have my parties that I do be fundraisers for different organizations. I mean, that's ultimately my goal Mm -hmm. is to do a steady stream of parties as fundraisers for organizations Mm -hmm. and to just help support the community through music mm-hmm. um, I think that it's Really, the the law of karma, or cause and effect, or you know, um, or Christ said, "Do unto others as you would have them do unto you." I mean, it mm-hmm. all comes back to you. And I think that giving is one of, by giving, you're receiving because I really think we're all connected. So if you give to someone else, you're really giving to yourself. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think giving is one of the most important things: giving of yourself, giving of your time, giving of money, whatever. Even if you just sit down with a friend and talk, it's one of the most important experiences. I love that line in the movie, contact, at the end of the movie when she finally meets the alien mm-hmm. and she says, like, what's the meaning of it all? And she's, and he says to her, you know, in all of our experiences, what we found most comforting was each other, yeah. you know, just that connection with someone. Mm-hmm. And when you sit down and you talk to someone, and especially someone with HIV, there's not a lot of... You no know, stuff there you know you don't have to get through all the barriers that we put up and it's really about
0: What do you mean by that exactly you know uh,
1: people who are faced with life challenging threatening illnesses mm-hmm. they don't they're not playing too many games or or you know or or any kind of ego stuff going on it's very it's about life and death and it's very clear and so mm-hmm. it's either about love or it's about fear you know most spiritual paths say it's about love or fear and that's what it's about for people with HIV but then other people get into a whole bunch of like worldly things like hurt, disappointment and all these other things that kind of cloud the issue of, of what it's really about which is love or fear love is of the God mind and fear is of the ego
0: right
1: it's so heavy.
0: It really <laughs> is. I just got to lay back. Look <laughs> well, <okay>, at Dr. Siano.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Want me to take your temperature now? <laughs> Sorry, I forgot my thermometer home. <laughs>
0: well it's good that you're finally like these seem to be like your missions music and healing yes and it'd be great if you could unite the two I mean it's already right. you're trying to do this, this whole thing of music to, to heal the planet right and if you could actually do it as a fundraiser that would really be uh, your mission complete
1: yes wow yeah I really um, you know we've been talking to Mel Sharon and, and you know he owns the uh, Paradise Garage uh, logo and, and the name and and um, he really he wanted to reopen the garage and, and you know it, uh, to me it sounds like a great idea I know we can't recreate the garage but it would be totally to raise money for different charities including Minnie LeVan mm-hmm. and it would it, it's just such a great idea I mean this is you know we've been so greedy in this country we have billionaires who don't share a cent of their money mm-hmm. and we could all be living like millionaires there's enough for each one of us to have a million dollars in the bank, mm-hmm. but certain people have such great amounts of it and are hoarding it and not spreading it around, that we all there's so many people living in poverty and who are who don't have food on their tables. That's just. That's a serious problem. When you, when you see someone who doesn't have food, a basic need like that, mm-hmm. that's a serious problem. And it's mm-hmm. happening all over the world. I mean, we burn wheat in this country to keep the economy stable. There's people in Africa who don't have a loaf of bread to eat who are starving to death. There's something wrong with that thinking in general.
0: Yeah, with that mentality. Right. So what are we going to do?
1: I don't know the answers. I just know there's a hell of a lot of questions.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so almost I, overwhelming, I, you know. It is, it
1: is overwhelming, but and I, I really think it's got to begin with you. And so start with your own little backyard, your own little friends. How can I show a person love? How can I reach out a little bit more? What can I do for a person instead of like running through a conversation? Ask how someone is for a minute. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I, you know, I'm looking in your eyes right now, mm-hmm. and you know that's a the, the windows of the soul. Just look at someone a moment and get a feel for them, and. And then allow yourself to just go with the experience without running away. Just go with the experience for a minute. Mm-hmm. And if we could stay in the now and not rush around so much. I know I had the most rushed day. And, you know, I lose something when I rush around. And this is my last stop of the day. So I'm, like, <laughs> more relaxed and I'm more present in the moment. And that's so important because we don't have tomorrow. It's not here yet. Mm-hmm. Yesterday is gone. This is the only reality right this second. It's very Let's Buddhist. appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've studied Buddhism. Hinduism, I've studied the Kabbalah, Mm -hmm. Christianity, and I sort of come up with my own eclectic kind of spiritual belief, which which is a little bit of everything, but it's based on basically for me, God is the force of love. And Mm -hmm. that and that's it. You know, it's not some guy sitting up on a bench. If you believe (laughs) that, that's fine. But for Mm -hmm. me, it's it's in everything. It's in the trees, it's in the planet, it's in everything. Mm -hmm. And and we have to appreciate everything. You know, again, indigenous people, they appreciate the planet, they give back to the planet. Paul's Meat, we don't have recycling in Virginia. It appalls me. I have to take my cans two miles from my house to put them in a recycling plant, and people just throw them in the garbage. That is really blatant disrespect for our planet. And yeah. you know what? She's going to fight back. She's a living thing. You know, you she can already step, has fought I know, back. She's, yeah. she's starting to really badly. Mm-hmm. You can step on something so long, and then they fight back. Mm-hmm. Attack breeds mm-hmm. attack. What you put out, you get back. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I think the whole thing is about tolerance, less discrimination. It's so much work to do, but I think, again, the music is a very healing force. If we could unite in music. And we can spread that feeling that you have on the dance floor, which is a love, Mm. because you lose your ego self, and you feel that love, and you're just loving the music, and you're loving to dance. If you can take that feeling outside into the world and just share it with one person, we've done a fantastic job right there.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, one thing that interests me is you were saying about living in the present. I said mentioned that's a very Buddhist thing. Well, also, I noticed that with with playing music when you're the DJ, right. that that's what you have to do right. in order to get to that next level. That's right. Can you talk about that for a bit?
2: Well, uh,
1: part of what I do when I play mm-hmm. records is that there's two things going on. There's what I'm feeling when I'm playing the records, mm-hmm. and there's how the crowd is reacting to that. Okay, and. What I try to do is to just relax, feel the energy of the crowd, and think, what would I like if I was there on the dance floor? What would I like to hear next? And for some reason, we just connect. I mean, that bo- Body and Soul experience was perfect example of it. Each song was like up from the last one. It just kept going up and mm-hmm. up and up. And I think it was just about me saying, OK, what would I like to hear? And, and it just all worked. And that was what gallery was like. It was like I was playing for myself and there were a thousand people there enjoying it.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, <clears throat> But not saying that I didn't get off on them too because their energy coming back to me only inspired me to dig deeper in my soul for what would work best next. And the experience is really about being in the total now, hearing the sound right now, and then wanting to take it one step further with the next record that you go into
0: mm-hmm. now also i wanted to talk to you about you said you were you also played at studio 54 of course I played as a, for the
1: first eight months oh really which, there was two djs originally hired richie mm-hmm. kazar and myself mm-hmm. richie played the opening night i played the second night mm-hmm. and he played like saturday and sundays and i played wednesday thursday and sunday He played Friday and Saturday. (laughs) I worked at Gallery on Friday and Saturday. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, what was the. I mean, now there's so much hype about Studio 54 there's the movie, there is the book, there's another movie that references it. Right. Um, And it's interesting how all this hype is surrounding Studio 54, yet you don't hear about. The garage, the gallery, the loft, and all these other places. Right. Um, what was it like? You're you're the person who played both places, the gallery, right. like the downtown underground scene, and then the whole uptown thing. What was the difference for you as the DJ between the two atmospheres of the clubs?
1: Well, I felt like it was commercial to the nth degree is what studio took the whole experience. Mm -hmm. We had an underground experience that exploded, and studio took it and commercialized it, and at the beginning, it really was like a good feeling there, but I think it got skewered by all the drugs and the sex and the kind of, Mm -hmm. it didn't become about the music anymore. And as a matter of fact, it's very interesting to me that they don't even, they showed a DJ once in this movie, and he wasn't even a, a didn't even resemble any of the djs that ever played there and the second thing is on these studio 54 specials they mentioned the music 10 or 20 times and they never talked about the dj not once I know. and let me tell you something it wasn't like that that's not what it was about and it mm-hmm. made it happen so um that just shows his level of brilliance i mean he found that record and pushed it it was like you know buried somewhere mm-hmm. so um it they you know they're burying this whole thing and making it about the glitz and the glamour and the drugs and the and the sex and the money and the ceiling and the cocaine, but it was never about that in the early seventies it was always about the music and and really in looking back on 54 and all the hype that they're looking at all these other things, that's what it became there. They took the focus off of that, what it was really about, which was the music, and they made it about the atmosphere and the glitz and the glamour, and they totally commercialized it, and I feel they killed it. They, I, I think Studio 54 was part of the reason that the whole scene just died. It mm-hmm. died in 1980 when studio closed, and it was just like it was just it went too far it went too far it took something that was pure and good and turned it into something else and it was you know what it's not a bad thing that this all happened Mm -hmm. but what we need to do is—it would be great to recapture experiences of the early '70s and have that u- unity in the music and make the music love and everything. But learn from that experience. It's not something glamorous that we want to go back to. Mm-hmm. If we ever did a big thing like that again, we have to remember one basic thing: it's about the music.
2: Exactly. It's not about yeah. the
1: lights up there. It's not about you know who you're sleeping with, and it's not about how much drugs you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's about the music. That's mm-hmm. what we're here to hear. You know. So. I I think Studio um, really started off with good intentions. I think Stevie was a wonderful person when I first met him and played at the Enchanted Gardens. But this was a man who, when I met him and I played a Diana Ross record, he came up to the booth and he went, Oh my God, Diana Ross, I love her. And two years later, he's, you know, friends with her, you know. (laughs) like, And she's sitting on on Richie's records in the DJ booth. And one night, she was the, the... the booth was, um, had record bins, and they were in the counter, and it hung over the dance floor. It was on a balcony, so she wanted to get up on the counter and look over the crowd, so she sat on Richie's records and looked over the crowd and the crowd started screaming, but Richie was very stoned and he was not appreciating her sitting all over his records. And I walked into the booth and I said, Richie, oh my God, Diana Ross is sitting on the counter. And he said, she's sitting on my records. I'm going to throw her off the balcony in a minute. And he popped another pill and he turns around and he's started going towards her and I had to restrain him.
0: <laughs> See, I had to restrain
3: you
1: him. You saved
0: Diana. I saved Ross. Diana Ross. Diana,
1: you might not know it, but I was the one who saved your life at Studio 54. And I still call you Miss Ross. I have that respect for you, Diana. I know you like to be called Miss Ross. She would walk in, she'd say, please call me Miss Ross. I would be okay, honey.
0: Did you you say you played at the Enchanted Gardens? Yes. Was that the club out in Queens that they had? Right. It was on
1: the Douglaston Golf Course. I played there a year, and I played one night. Tuesday night, it was the biggest night. Mm -hmm. A lot of my gallery fans would come, and we used to have a a riot there. I mean, it was a great, great time. Mm -hmm. But it it was a real long drive for me, and even though Stevie was really nice and would even pick me up and drive me out, I, I just got tired of it. And I said, if you ever open a club in the city, call me and get this phone call one day. And he says, come see this club. And went into studio, and they were going to open in two weeks. And the place was a mess. I mean, the <laughs> chairs were not put in yet. The uh-huh. carpet was not put in yet. It was a mess. I said, this place ain't going to be ready. And sure enough, he got it together. Wow. And it was a great... I mean, there was stuff in there that he did that was so innovative and wonderful. I I just feel bad. It really. I felt like it really got sidetracked. But mm-hmm. it, it just... You know, it became too much. When I played a party there, Bianca Jagger's birthday party, and she rode in on a white stallion with a red halston gown on, and mm-hmm. all the paparazzi around her, and she was in the centerfold of the New York Daily News. Well, I walked out of work that night, and there was this bum in the service entrance, on you know, who was asking for money, and people were just stepping over him, and just the kind of contradiction between seeing you know her on this white stallion for you know twenty of her friends in a club that fit 5,000 people and stepping over a bum on the way out. It just blew my mind and I just knew something was wrong there. The picture, there's something wrong with Mm -hmm. the picture. We never did stuff like that at the gallery. We did cutesy little stuff. You know, we had a guy in a gorilla suit running around on the (laughs) dance floor one night freaking people out. I mean... You know, all of a sudden you're dancing, you turn around, there's a gorilla dancing behind you. It freaked people out, especially they were on some kind of drugs, those people, and they just freaked out so easily. I don't understand it.
0: (laughs) Well, what for you today? I mean, we've learned the lessons of the past, and it's time to look forward as opposed to always looking back. What would be, like, an ideal situation for a club for you?
2: Hmm.
1: You know, I, I, I really love the idea of a house party. Mm-hmm. I really love that idea. I think Garage captured that to some extent. Certainly the Loft does. Mm-hmm. Something with a home-type atmosphere where wow. the dance floor is totally enclosed, where I can have a sound system that's not so boomy, but more like a home system that's real beefed up. Mm-hmm. You know, something really warm in the sound. And... Um, The sound is really important to me. I like the DJ booth to be on the floor. I like to be hearing the music that they're hearing I don't like things blocking me like these DJ booths that are far up in the ceiling and Mm. removed well how are you supposed to hear the music and you know play with the sound if you can't hear what's going on on the dance floor my DJ booth at gallery two of the speakers faced me and then two speakers faced out from in front of the booth and the booth was on the floor so I was on the same level as the dancers and off in a corner so I would hear the sound exactly coming at me exactly what you'd be hearing on the dance floor Mm -hmm. so the adjustment of the sound for me was real easy Mm -hmm. and it's really important for me to be part of the experience like that so I'd love a place like that Um, and you know I I love special effects and glitz and glamour but again I think that you know if people don't have money maybe a donation of any amount would be fine or a donation of your time to come in you know something like that something where the club was made accessible to all people the music was made accessible to all people and um, I, I like the whole afternoon thing at Body and Soul a lot mm-hmm. I really like the early night for me I'm getting, I'm getting up there but you know I, I guess a lot of kids go out there at nights. So.
0: but I still like that the afternoon thing is good because uh, it means people are going for the music right you know it's, it's a whole different atmosphere you're right. really going just to dance it's not to go you know find somebody right. or you know I don't know it, it does lend that whole kind of pure feel to it you know? Yeah. But...
1: The whole thing about what's what's happening now with with playing records it's it seems like it's unfolding, you know it's just happening to me like this whole thing with um Larry's party, Francois just called me in march i didn't you know reach out to him. he just called me, and then the whole thing where John invited me back by the way, that's this Friday night, September eighteenth mm-hmm. eleven p m at club vinyl that's on Hubert and Hudson six Hubert Street. Mm-hmm. Don't miss it, honey. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> so, John just that night invited me back, you know, and and it just unfolded, and I'm just I'm just letting it unfold. I'm going with the flow, staying in the present, like we were talking mm. about, and trusting that whatever's gonna happen, it will be the perfect thing. It yeah. will just unfold just as it's supposed to unfold, and there's and I know it is. I know mm-hmm. it is. It's just happening just the way it's supposed to.
0: Great. Well, why don't we give away a couple pairs of tickets then? How about that? Oh,
1: that sounds great. That sounds
0: good. To so the. Uh, what callers? You picked two numbers. Two numbers? Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, seven is always a, a great number. Oh, there. That's one of my favorite numbers. Lighten up already. Okay. I didn't get out the number yet. The seventh
0: caller and.
1: 3 is another good one.
0: Ooh so we're going to have to go fast. 212 998 1818. Callers three and seven will win themselves pairs of tickets to uh, go see Mickey Ciano. Hear him play this Friday night over at Club Vinyl, 16th Street on the corner of Hudson. The and phones
1: uh, are lit up. <laughs> I want you to know the phone is totally lit up. That is so cool. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your support. Great.
0: We're going to get to some more music. We'll Let's take the calls. It. All right. Let's do
1: it.
2: Get up, get on up, stay on the scene, get on up like a sex machine. Get on yep. up, get up, get on up, get, up, get on up, stay on the scene, get on up like a sex machine. get on up. Wait a minute, shake your arm, then lose your form, Stay on the scene, like a sex machine. You got to have the feeling, but sure your bone. Get it, ride on, ride on. get it, on, right on. Get up, get on up, get up, get on up. Stay on the scene. We're like a sex machine. Get on up The way I like it Tell the way it is You got yours, huh? Don't worry about it Get up Get on up. Get, up get on up Stay on the scene Get on up Like a loving machine Get on up. Uh, get up Get on up Stay on the scene Get on up Like a loving machine You ready? Yeah. You ready to go to the bridge? Yeah. You ready to go to the yeah. big belly? Come on. Come on. Stay on the scene, like a light machine. Stay on the scene, like a love machine. Stay on the scene, like a love machine. The way I like it is the way it is. Don't worry about it Stay on the scene Like a love machine Stay on the scene Like a love machine Stay on the scene Like a love machine Stay on the scene huh? Like a love machine Yeah! You ready? Get out, got it! Awesome. yeah hey yeah. the beat hey
0: go relight my fire ahead of that so fun to see pick it up and sex machine from James Brown I want to thank you for coming up today oh
1: it's been really great it was really nice meeting you
0: it's great meeting you you know it, it's so you have so much to say and it's just oh, thank you. really amazing it's very positive and very just um, intellectual and heartfelt
1: thank you thanks a lot
0: so uh, how do you feel about Friday now
1: Oh, I feel really good. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) when we gave away those tickets and all those, the phones lit up. It was really, it was really nice. I really appreciate the support I'm getting. I'm getting a lot of support. It's been, it's been really wonderful, and I really, I really do appreciate it. I mean, it's not something. In the in the past, I've taken it for granted, but I'm in a different place right now, and I really could. Could appreciate it much, much more.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once again, Nicky Siano is playing this Friday, September 18th, over at Club Vinyl on 6 Hubert Street in the corner of Hudson. That's right. Any uh, closing statements for you?
1: Well, um, come out and share the love—the love, the love right. of the music.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much.
1: Dance until we drop.
0: (laughs) I have to mention another party happening tomorrow. It's over at Bar 85 on 10th Avenue and 16th Street. DJs Nicodemus and also Boo Williams and Glenn Underground from Chicago. They'll all be playing tomorrow. Bar 85, 504 West 16th Street starts at 9 p.m. I'm going to give away one pair of tickets, 212-998-1818, caller number 5. Again, that's for tomorrow night, Glenn Underground and Boo Williams. Once again, Nikki Siano is playing this Friday. I don't want to confuse the issue here over at Vinyl. And once again, thank you so uh, thanks much. Thanks for having me
1: up. Please. All right.
0: <laughs> we'll do it again holy sometime. Beautiful, child
1: of goddess. <laughs> Yeah, if you haven't seen Cosmo yet, she is a wonderful looking woman.
0: That's my new DJ name. It is? Yeah.
1: Sort of reminds me of the Jetsons, you know?
0: Yeah. I kind of fancy myself more like Josie and the Pussycats. Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. Or Cosmet.
1: <laughs> or Comet.
0: Comet, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Ow. Go, Dan. All hard. right, let's go. 79 signing off for the evening. Peace. Take care, everybody.